0: Retro, That's What She Said, episode 26, The Pilot. Hey, hey, I've seen this one, I've seen this one, this is a classic. This is The Office Pilot.
1: What do you mean, you've seen this? Brand new. Yeah, well, I saw it on a
2: rerun. It's a rerun. You'll find out. That's what she said. Time circuit's on. That's what she said. What's Flex capacitor? Fluxing. That's what she said. Let's count it down. Three, two, two one. one. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you are gonna see
0: some serious shit.
3: Damn it! Put my stuff in Jello again! Grease
0: And welcome to episode 26 of That's What She Said, a podcast about the Emmy Award-winning NBC show, The Office. As always, I'm your human resources coordinator Matt Summer, and this week we're gonna be taking an in-depth and spoiler-filled look at the first episode of season one, entitled The Pilot which originally aired Thursday, March 25th, 2005. What's this? A documentary about a local paper manufacturing company? That'll never work. Herein, then, lies the origin story of our favorite Britcom-turned-sitcom. Who was there from the beginning? Who gets their office supplies dunked in Jello? What, exactly, does Roy have in that bag? And why do I feel like I've seen this all somewhere before? Lots to discuss, lots to talk about. Let's head on over to the water cooler. It's a real shame, because studies have shown that more information gets
2: passed through water cooler gossip than through official memos, which puts me at a disadvantage, because I bring my own water to work. Why'd you do this? I didn't do it. Oh, the water cooler was brought over here for maintenance. So what do you guys hear? What's a scuttlebutt.
0: And joining me at the water cooler again this week is our Todd Packer here of Twistland. Kevin Crossman, how you doing?
1: Oh, I'm sorry, man. I was uh, just... Staring at that beautiful new—that's what she said—banner on the website. So
0: <laughs> glad to be here. Well, John Krasinski is quite dreamy, I have to say. That took a lot of work, man. I'm telling you, I'm not an HTML programmer, that's for sure. So that looks great, though. Well, I'm glad that you enjoy it. Now, um, here we are doing our first promised retro episode. That was promised like about ten weeks ago, <laughs> due to some unforeseen circumstances, as we detailed last week. That didn't really happen. Um, let's go into that. If you didn't listen to our last episode, our longtime co-host here and uh, senior sales associate, Ian Castleberry, will no longer be hosting, that's what she said, and last episode I put out a call for anyone if they were looking to try out, looking to uh, join me here at the water cooler, uh, either for one week or uh, you know to try to be the permanent co-host to go ahead and send me an audition clip, uh, just a few minutes, whatever, talk about one of your favorite office episodes, talk about one of your least favorite episodes, whatever, just so I can get a sense of your voice, uh, how, you know, quick you might be, uh, whatever the case is, and uh, so far I've got about three different tapes sent in, so keep them coming, I originally said before that I was going to cut off the deadline uh, at the end of July, I think, but, um, you know, if 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 you want to send it in, go ahead and keep sending it in. I'm still thinking about, you know, next season we might just kind of go at the whole Ebert and Roper rotating panel of guest hosts. You know, I don't know. I'm not exactly quite sure yet. Um, I know that you have your own stuff to do, so I'm not going to ask you to come back here every week, Kevin, but... Uh, um, I'm happy
1: to fill in any time.
0: All right. Well, yeah, did a good job last week Got some positive email. We'll talk about that in a little while. Um well, this week, like I said, retro. We went back and we took a look at the pilot episode uh, of The Office here, and you and I both were Office UK sort of versions before this week. I know it might come as a shock to some people, but uh, we also, because the American pilot is so similar to the British pilot, we came back and uh, we we both watched the British version. And uh, so I'm just going to throw this out here, Kevin, I'm going to get you uh, hoisted on some pitchforks, but which version is better?
1: Oh, the American version is so much better. (laughs) That's just coming from an ugly American, what can I say?
0: Yeah, what, uh, I mean, as far as, because the script is very, I mean, it's very, very similar in, uh, in the way that it's set up. A lot of the jokes are the same, a lot of the situations are the same. Uh, even some of the same punchlines. So uh, what was it about the American version that you liked better? Well,
1: some of the the phrasing was just more appropriate for an American audience. There was a joke where the Jan equivalent comes in, and in the British version they call her Camilla Parker Bowles, and in the American version it's Hillary Rodham Clinton. So it, it kind of makes <laughs> right. sense, you know, that I get that joke a little bit better, right? <laughs> and just some of the way that people talk, it's just, I I'm more familiar with how Americans talk, and I get the kind of little phrases and jokes and things. Uh, I'm not quite up on the uh, British vernacular in some cases.
0: Right. Well, let's, we talked about that briefly. Um, I used to be a really big Britcom fan and had watched a lot of them in my day, not this particular show, though. Uh, so I was a little bit more at home with kind of the slang and some of the other stuff there. But I know a lot of people, when they first watch it, though, they do turn on the subtitle track. So uh, you might want to try that. If you're going to watch any of the other episodes and see if that helps out. Yeah, I mean, I obviously I agree. I mean, to me, I think which episode, which version you like best probably depends on, you know, which order you saw them in. I came into the American version really kind of whole hog. Uh, I hadn't really seen the British version before. So, I mean, for me, I just grew to love these characters. I love this version. This boss better. I like the gym better. You know, <laughs> of Jim Tim, I like Jim better, I like, you know, Pam Don, I like Pam better, I like all that stuff better. Uh so I agree. I mean this it it's much more attuned to our American kind of pop culture and sensibilities and other stuff like that. So all you Britcom snobs out there that uh that's <laughs> Kevin Freeman at Fratpack dot com. Well let's get a little more specific in there. I mean, as we said a lot of the stuff was the same. But uh, there were some subtle differences. Like, one of the things that we talked about was that um, the opening scene. Because both, both shows start with the boss character in his office talking to one of his employees, right? And But I think right from the very get-go, I think you can see the difference in the characters. You can see kind of the different attitude, like how they want to change the boss. Like, for example, you know, the David Brent character, He, for him that scene's all about... Getting the social connection that he has the power to get this guy a job, that he got he has the insight, the inside track, you know all that kind of stuff, and and so he helps him out. Now the American version though, you said how is that different?
1: Well, I just it seems like Michael really is trying to be a good boss. He's trying to show how it's done, and, and I mean yeah, there's a little bit of an ego thing there too, but. He is actually trying to do the right thing, and, you, and like you were saying, that David Brent is so high and above everyone else. It's, you know, very kind of hoity-toity in English, I guess.
0: Yeah, he's doing all these little things in there, you know, doing his uh, Pinocchio nose, move while he's lying to get this guy a job. Uh, and it leads into, as we said, you know, we've been saying this all year with uh, on the podcast, that one of the differences between the two characters is that with Michael, they've, Made a very big effort to to show why he's the boss, to show how he got to that point. So even though he's a bumbling boob sometimes, he still does have some sales skills, right? Because that that whole intro scene with Brent is about kind of showing off his connections with Michael Scott. It's it's him using his masterful sales skills to uh to sell the library where Jim couldn't sell it, couldn't close it. The punchlines of both gags are. That the bosses are boobs, sort of, kind of stupid, but in yeah. his, in Michael's case, I think it's much more in tune with his character. You know the whole, um, oh you, a gentleman, sir are and a gentleman and a scholar, and he's like, oh I'm sorry, I'm sorry, was wow. a woman, <laughs> yeah she must have been a smoker, and that's just right along with his character. You know, so he said he he, he still showed skill, but yet he showed himself to be. To be an idiot, or at least make uh, a very simple mistake, I'm imagining someone that sounds like Patty or Selma or something. So right off the bat, we get that uh, subtle difference. What, what are some of the other differences I you notice between the two different versions?
1: Well, I'll tell you, I was so distracted watching this show looking at Steve Carell's hair. <laughs> the, the the slicked back, The I don't know what he did to his hair, if he got plugs or... Or whatever, but it's just disturbing to look at that receding hairline and the slicked back thing. I like. I was just focused on it, and uh, so that was a difference. You know, you know it's
0: just funny you bring that up because I actually that was one of the things I actually noticed uh, about the first season. I don't know what they did either, like whether they just gelled it, gelled it back to make it look like it was wet, or if he really was bald, or. You said if you got plugs or something. I don't know, but yeah, it definitely looks much more of a you know like a haggard kind of receding hairline situation there, uh, which by season two is totally changed. So totally yeah. back to. He's about 30
1: pounds lighter, too, I think, so he's definitely, you know, he just felt like he was sweating all the time in that first season, especially in this episode, right?
0: Yeah, well, that might have been intentional. I mean, that was kind of, you know, David Brent's whole thing. He sort of had that fat guy, sweaty, I don't know if it's charm or whatever. But
1: The other thing I noticed that was really interesting is that I was waiting for the Jim character to come onto the British version, and I was like, I had no idea what he looked like. The the Pam uh, character was, was different. She was blonde and, you know. A little bit different anyway. And then they come up with Jim, and it's like I just started rolling when I saw him because he's a bloated version of Jim with the same hair, but the face was just completely different. And just it's like they took a balloon and blew it up or something. It was just so funny. I mean, you know, Jim is this handsome guy, and then Tim is just kind of a troll.
0: Well, we talked about that a little bit because it's kind of funny that I think that uh, I think the Dawn character is actually much more glamorous or attractive. Uh, yeah, yeah, on the surface maybe than than Jenna Fisher, uh, or well, or Pam. Let's just put it that way, I guess. Yeah, well,
1: they make Pam they sort of reduce her beauty, I think, with her clothes and hair right. and everything, So that's part of
0: it. But uh, I mean, even so, I, I think that it's sort of a role reversal, maybe even a little bit, because in the, yeah. in the British version, you know, Dawn is in a lot hotter, maybe a lot more attractive. Uh, Martin Freeman that plays Tim, yeah, he's a little kind of schlubby. Uh, <laughs> He, he's no John Krasinski uh, fan idol, let's just put it that way, I guess. He's uh, you know, probably about my height, I guess. <laughs> a little yeah. short guy, so I, I don't know. On the one hand, it's more natural. I suppose he's sort of more of an average Joe. <laughs> yeah, I can see what you mean. Same look, same kind of haircut, same everything. One, One's just two feet taller than the other one. Because a lot of the stuff, we commented on this, a lot of the kind of seeds... That we've seen bloom in season two and season three were laid out right away in the, in the pilot, which is kind of rare. Because a lot of times you see a pilot that might be totally different than the you know what the show turns out to be, or a lot of change in characters, a lot of different stuff like that. But there's a lot of things laid out right at the beginning. You know, the Stanford Scranton tug of war was laid out right there in the pilot. The the Jam relationship laid out jim versus dwight thing laid out right in there michael being there for 12 years and then in season three that he's been there for 14 years you know so it all it, i think they did a really good job of fitting all these pieces together it's not like you're looking at something that's totally out of whack i guess with the other seasons
1: no i i think that Certainly there's less emphasis, much less emphasis on the secondary characters than there is once you get into the, especially the middle of season two and in season three. Mm-hmm. In fact, you know, I actually watched this first pilot episode back when it first came out and I didn't like it at all. It was very, we'll probably talk about how negative it was, especially towards the Pam character, and I, it was just turned me off. And then I sort of got back into it in the second season and went back and I could see, like you were saying, those seeds. And I started to appreciate things, sort of knowing what happened, especially there was some little sexual tension between Jan and Michael a little bit, which I think you can kind of see looking back, but maybe you didn't see right at the beginning.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Well, I came in, I mean, I, I've said this before on the show, but I came into the American office the exact same way, because I, I, I think that the pilot is probably the only episode of the British show that I think I did see before. And so, when I saw that first American pilot, I was you know a lot of the buzz was just, "Oh, it's exactly the same, it's the same script, it's the same, everything. I did not watch any of the rest of season one, and the only reason I started watching the office is because during season two, um, I started watching my name is Earl,
1: and right, then I, okay. I didn't
0: change the channel. the office was in right after, and so i kind of I kind of started watching it by default, and then after a while, I was like, "Hey, I actually like the show." <laughs> Is really good like, yeah, it's
1: a, it's a lot different. It's a lot better.
0: And so, yeah, like you said, once you have that, I think once you have that love for the show, that it's a lot easier to go back and, uh, and, and then watch these first six episodes uh, in yeah. a different context. I don't even want to say it like this, but I don't know if you've ever, have you ever seen the, um, those first, the, the Seinfeld Chronicle episodes? Oh, yeah, The,
3: yeah. the really very different.
0: first ones, they're very, just like, almost hard to get through. Uh, really kind of, real, real rough. Um, yes. But when you're a big Seinfeld fan and then you go back and watch them, there's a lot. I think you you can cut them a lot more slack. Perhaps I don't think perhaps. these I don't think these episodes are really kind of that bad at all. I no. think they're really good. I just I didn't give it a chance at the time, so I'm glad that I eventually did did go back and, and check it out. And and I think like you said with the focus on the minor characters, that's kind of the difference between maybe having a six episode season versus a twenty three, twenty five episode season you know they realize you can't just have every episode be just jim and pam uh just michael and we kind of talked about that too the ones some of the episodes that i don't like particularly are when they focus too much on michael and his wacky antics or whatever the case is so i think they had to go in and explore a lot of those you know side characters Um, And we mentioned that uh, in this first episode, uh, Kelly's not there. Meredith is not there. Uh, I didn't think that Creed was there, but you think that you saw him in the back? Yeah, I saw him in the background. Okay. Because I thought it might have been him, but I didn't see his name in the credits so oh. I wasn't sure if it was him or not. And there was also a lot of people that were just kind of hangers-on, I guess, just kind of random people filling in the seat that uh, that we never really saw again. And later. they must not be
1: writers for the show, so <laughs> they didn't get to keep their jobs.
0: Yeah, that's true. Well, maybe they were. I don't know. Maybe they just decided they didn't want to do it anymore. Uh, obviously, we didn't get any Toby in this episode. Oh, yeah, um, he was missing. A lot of uh, – but, you know, we la- asked, last week we asked why is – Ryan in the credits or why is BJ Novak in the credits? I'm guessing just because of this pilot that he actually had kind of a big opening role here. He was sort of the, you know, we we're supposed to see the office through his eyes.
1: Well, and in that character in the British version was, was a big important character too. So I think that that's part of it. Uh, just that, especially into season two, you know, his role just got reduced and reduced. So, right. Funny that the character, the equivalent In the British, was really different. He was tall and handsome, and it didn't seem like a young guy at all, like like Ryan did, and uh, it was very different.
0: Well, I find it interesting how they actually kept a lot of the names, not the same name, but very similar sounding. You know, for example, we have, uh, instead of Ryan Howard, the British guy was Ricky Howard, I okay. think, um, you know, obviously Jim versus Tim, Don Tinsley versus Pam Beasley, so a lot of these names are very similar. Let's talk about, though, the biggest difference to me, and this is one of the reasons why I originally didn't want to watch the American version, is because I looked at, I, you know, I think the, the guy who plays Gareth is like the most ghoulish freak
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: of an actor that I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I
1: this is this is one of the notes that I had prepared. I said he looked so this is the guy who was in Pirates of the Caribbean. He looked more alive when he was an undead pirate than he did in the British version of the office. I'm hoping that's
0: that scary. That that, I'm hoping that, that was makeup, but he has like the you know, he looks like Lurch or something. He has these huge circles uh-huh. under his eyes. Which is really creepy. And originally I, I looked at the casting and I'm like, you know, that guy, that Dwight guy doesn't look anything like him, you know, that that's stupid, but obviously they've come into their own and you can see watching the different pilots that they're, uh, they're both equally annoying in their own special way. Yeah. Uh,
1: I I, think think it's important too, that the difference is that Dwight is much more cocky Mm -hmm. in, in in a sort of forceful way, or at least the way I perceive it again, maybe being the difference between American and British. But, you know, I think that that was an important dynamic that he was much more forceful about these things. And,
0: Right, uh, Gareth I guess seemed maybe a little more tentative in some ways. Right, I think on the creepy factor though he's much, much creepier. Absolutely. I think, than Rainn and, Wilson and, and Dwight actually turned out to be so. Definitely uh, same character, same a lot of the same scenes, a lot of the same gags, but still big difference in there. All right, well, um, anything else before we get started on the clips? Anything else you want to say?
1: Well, I guess. You know, they really should have re- just renamed this episode. Uh, Pam Be- Beasley gets abused because I, I just—it was just moment after moment. This these pained the looks, and it, it just was. I just felt so bad for her when I first watched the show, and it's like she has that pained look at the beginning, and just, um, <laughs> and then even again after the waste paper basket, she has this horrified look, and then um, you know, oh Pam, it's a guy thing, Pam, and again she has this terrible look, and then, of course. When she gets fired at the end, I mean, it's just abuse after abuse, and I don't know how she stands it.
0: Well, I think, and, that, but it,
1: in some ways, it didn't make sense because if she'd been working there for that long, she would have known the way Michael was, and right. so the fact that she had these really uh, extreme reactions didn't seem to make as much sense. But of course, you as a viewer don't know that, especially when you when the first you know show airs.
0: I think that was a, a different tack that was taken by the director, uh, or maybe you know Greg Daniels. Or I don't know if it was Ken Quapis, uh who gave her the direction? But somebody gave her the direction, I think, to act like that. Because yes. if you look at the Dawn character, I mean, she she doesn't really take uh, Brent's shit really all that much. She kind of no. looks at him with a you know raised eyebrow, I guess. She doesn't get crushed, I guess, by his comments, you know. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and she comes back a lot harder <laughs> after the fake firing incident as well. And we'll talk about that later. So I think that was obviously, I, I think that was a choice that she either you know. Jenna Fisher made or the director or producers made for her to look that way or be much more of this kind of shrinking violet sort of character. And we get a lot of that stuff in there, too. You know, we get the abusive Roy relationship right off the top.
2: So mm-hmm. a, lot,
0: a lot of stuff in there. All right, well, let's kick it off, then. We're going to break it down in a couple of different plot lines here. Uh, let's start off with just the basic Michael plot line. Now, um, the first scene, Michael, you know, just like with the British version, Michael kicks it off uh, kind of telling us who he is and showing the camera person around his kingdom
2: I've, uh, I've been at Dunder Mifflin for 12 years the last four as regional manager ah this is our receptionist Pam 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 Beasley uh, Pam has been with us um, forever right Pam well I don't know if you think she's cute now you should have seen her a couple of years ago what uh, any messages yeah, it's just a fax. Oh, damn, this is from corporate. How I many know, times have I... I told you that there's a special filing cabinet for things from corporate? You haven't called the waste paper basket. <laughs>
0: <laughs> look at that! Oh, look at that face!
2: People say I am the best boss. They go, God, we've never worked in a place like this before.
0: I gotta say, man, that clip with the fax thing because I have it in my. Uh... Bumper, or whatever, theme music for the uh-huh. news segment. I'm just like, I have that burned into my brain. I don't Absolutely. think I'll ever, ever forget that. Um, so there you go. Michael just, right, on, you know, right off the top, we see his character that he's got a bunch of lame jokes. Um, unthinking, kind of unfeeling. Now you thought this was particularly cruel, I guess.
1: Well, it's just she, especially I think, is the reaction that she has, and then it, it builds up, of course, to the firing, and it, then at the end you're just like, why am I watching this? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, <You're puke. laughs> um, I like and again we're talking about different things, the kind of different different tacks that they took between the different versions here. Um, you know, Michael making a Bam Bam Flintstones kind of reference there at the desk. Actually, you know, the stuff that he says is a lot tamer than what David Brent says to uh, to Don. Let's take a look at uh, at how that played out in the UK version here. Um, I've
2: been in the oh, business for 12 years.
0: Yeah, no worries.
2: Been at Wernham Hogg as general manager for eight of those. So they're putting together my team. Lovely Dawn. Dawn Tinsley. You've been this haven't you? Yeah. I'd say... uh at one time or another, every bloke in the office is woken up at the crack of dawn. What? Get the mail, please.
1: Just fact. Dawn, this is from head office. I know. How many times have I told you there's a special filing cabinet
0: for things from head office? Yeah, have oh, the waste paper basket.
1: You're fine.
0: Don't get that right. <laughs> <laughs> People say I'm the best boss. I go, oh, you yeah, we've never worked in a place like this before. Half the bloke, or every guy in the place has woken up at the crack of dawn. That's a pretty good line. <laughs> that's uh, yeah, that's a lot worse, I think, than what uh, what Michael says to Pam. And one of the things I don't know if we mentioned this before, but one of the things that they talked about in the uh, season one DVD commentary is that Steve Carell, when he got this job, he made a specific point to not watch the British show uh, and really kind of totally reinvent sort of that character in his own way. And and uh, you know, he's he was afraid that he would have just try to do a Ricky Gervais impersonation. So I think you can really tell when you you look at these comparisons, kind of how they deal with things and their reactions between the different uh, comments. You know, you can kind of see that. Like, Michael's much more of a big kind of blowhard. He laughs at his own jokes Mm -hmm. (laughs) a lot more.
1: (laughs) And it was a smart decision by Steve Carell.
0: They made a a, a purposeful point to kind of toning him down, making uh, Michael nicer. Well, they wanted to show a different side of him. You know, they said also in the commentary that uh, that Ricky Gervais actually felt kind of bad about making the character so mean in the first season, and uh, and he was glad that they uh, they made him a little bit more of a buffoon. He said in the, in the American version instead of the uh, just kind of nasty, horrible bloke that he turned out to be. Um, this then just like in a lot of our other episodes this season we have jan dropping by the office to uh drop some news on michael all
2: right was there anything you wanted to add to the agenda
0: i didn't get any agenda
2: well i faxed one overdue this morning did we get a, a fax this morning uh yeah the one why is it in my hand you put it in the garbage can that was a special filing cabinet yeah uh that was a joke Okay, since the last meeting, Alan and the board have decided that we can't justify a Scranton branch and a Stanford branch. Oh, okay. okay no, Michael, no, don't panic. No, 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 this no, 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 this is good, this is good, this is fine. listen, okay, Excellent. don't panic. All oh, the alarm bells are going to go on. We haven't made any ding- 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 <laughs> I've spoken to Josh in Stanford. Okay. I've told him the same as you, and it's up to either you or him to convince me that your branch could incorporate the other. Okay, no problem. This does, however, mean that there's going to be downsizing. Me no want to hear that, Jan, because downsizing is
0: a bitch. I just find it kind of interesting that you see that that seed there planted when that was like so much of what season three was all about, you know.
1: Well, even through season two, this whole, you know, they're going to have to shut down one of the branches and there might be layoffs and all that. I mean, that was a thread that went throughout season two, even into season three. So, yeah, I mean, think that's pretty cool.
0: Again, Melora Harden still pretty, pretty nice, <laughs> pretty hot there with the little... Uh, short skirt sitting there
1: very short skirt (laughs) inappropriately short but you know and the other thing she had bad hair in this episode too very flat
0: not very glammed up that's for sure uh but again i mean right off the top it's the same character i mean she didn't really change anything about the way that she played that character in the next couple of seasons
1: not until the end of season three so
0: (laughs) yeah that's true um and so again i gotta play this man uh talking about introducing our favorite characters well here's our first introduction of the pac-man
2: uh todd packer terrific rep do you mind if i take it oh, pac-man hey big queen oh that's not appropriate hey is old uh, godzilla coming in today um i don't know i don't know what you mean look
1: i've been meaning to ask her one uh question
2: does the carpet match the drapes oh my god oh <laughs> that's horrifying Horrible, horrible
1: person. That's a great. <laughs> Gotta love that character.
0: <laughs> same character, same thing that we've seen kind of really consistently through this through the seasons. Uh, it also starts off the that whole kind of conceit of Michael being embarrassed on camera. You know, like he he tries to be a bigger man or tries to uh, act like he's above all this stuff. While the cameras are rolling.
1: Yeah, a little bit. I think also too, he's you know trying to play nice with Jan there in that scene. <laughs> um, although I'll tell you, you know, I worked for a while in a company that was had a big sales organization, and in that culture is very you know well reflected in the way Todd Packer acts. I, that's all I can say. So um, it.
0: Right. You know, it's not
1: it's not a book, you know, a lampoon or anything like that. I and mean, that's the way people are. Boys will be boys.
0: I know. I just. Uh, but yeah, it's the thing. Michael always, you I know, mean, he always wants to look good for the camera here again we have the introduction of bj Novak of ryan into the office and looking at this i i, I guessing why they did this was uh, kind of a narrative device to allow us as the audience to kind of be the new guy hey
1: this is mr scott
0: guilty good char brian, uh, brian uh, howard from the temp agency uh-huh Denico sent me down to start today howard like
2: uh mo howard these mm-hmm. so huge it. yep watch this this, this is mo <laughs> uh, right here. Three yeah. High five. Oh, Pam. It's a guy thing, Pam. I'm sort of a student of comedy. Watch this. <laughs> here we <you> go. <laughs> I'm Hitler. Adolf
0: Hitler. Always good for a laugh at Hitler.
1: <laughs>
0: you know, one of the other things that's kinda of funny is that you can just see again right off the top, uh, Michael's just kind of sense of self importance that just defies logic. I guess. I, I don't know where he gets this from. If it's just, like, wishful thinking. Uh, if he just totally deludes himself. But he always, you know, he sees himself as the father in the office and, uh, you know, the big student of comedy. And he has a bunch of lines in there about how they, you know, everyone comes up to him and tells him what a great boss he is and how he's, like, so wonderful. <laughs> I wish there a great sight gag in there, too, where you have the, uh, I think this mug says it all. <laughs> And, uh, of course, we have our world's best boss mug with the uh, cap line. of Oh, yeah, I found that at Spencer's Gifts.
1: <laughs> yeah, that he had to buy it himself, yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: exactly. And that's the thing, you know, he doesn't, uh, doesn't see anything wrong with that. You know, he knows he's a great boss, so why not? Um, but here's another just kind of like super overinflated view of himself here. I think I'm a role model
2: here. I think I garner people's respect. People I respect, heroes of mine, would be Bob Hope, Abraham Lincoln, Definitely, Bono uh, and probably God would be the fourth one, and i I just think all those people really uh helped the world in so many ways that it's um it's really beyond words, it's really incalculable uh
0: so there we go, a couple more origin things, you know it's almost like the third Indiana Jones movie where at that first like five minutes you see every like little origin tidbit of the character. Kind of coalesce, and here we go. Here's a Steve Carell with his uh, mumbling of mispronunciation of words, incalculable. uh, His uh, ridiculous kind of statements, as far as like his heroes. Well, the Bob Hope reference, right? right, There you go. That ties
1: reference into season three.
0: Yep, ties into the beach uh, or beach games, where he mentions he's looking for someone like a Bob Hope. Or an Amanda Bynes, I guess, either one. Um, <laughs> he also, that's another thing that somebody brought up. One of our listeners brought this up that during business school, Dwight gives this big list. Of, he goes, I'm not a hero. And he says, you know, hero from heroes is a hero. And then he says, Bono is a hero. He says, Bono, too. And one of our listeners kind of pointed out that uh, Michael Scott brought that up here in the pilot. So I don't know if that was intentional. Uh, if they you know if the writers just figure Bono's good for a few laughs. I don't know, but uh
1: Yeah, exactly. I and mean, of course God, number four, you know, on the list. It makes sense.
0: Yeah, I think God's done a lot of stuff to help the world. he's so full of crap. And that's the thing, you know, he's just he just so wants to look good for the cameras. Another thing that we see the origin of in this thing is our first conference room meeting and our first appearance of everyone's favorite pretzel loving grump, Stanley. So you can't say for sure whether it's going to be us or them, can you? No, 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 Stanley. No, you did not see
2: me in there with her. I said, if uh, if corporate wants to come in here and interfere, then they're going to have to go through me, right? You know, you can go mess with Josh's people, but I'm the head of this family, and uh, you ain't going to be
0: messing with my chillin'. So you got to love that. And, again, the difference between, there's almost the exact same scene in the British version where, um, Instead of Stanley, there's this guy named Malcolm, an old guy, kind of stands up and, and kept, keeps doing the same stuff. Are you sure? Are we going to need fire? Blah, blah, blah. But you can just, again, in that in the UK version, uh, Brent just kind of bullies him down. He says, well, do you trust me or not? And he says, yes, I trust you. And then he shuts up, right? Well, <laughs> that don't fly with Stanley.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's a culture thing, too. You know, they, uh, There's some, at least, modest respect for the boss that, that you just don't have in the American version. <laughs> Um, and there's actually Jimmy has a Jim has a couple of lines that are different in this American version that are little put downs um, about Michael, especially at the end, different than in the British version.
0: Right. So he, I mean, and the other thing that's just great about that line there with Stanley is that <laughs> our first inappropriate like racist remark. Yes. Um, I guess in the in the British version he kind of has this thing where he talks to the the pack guy. In the office, and maybe that's kind of how they wanted to deal with it in in the u k in the u s version uh but yeah, right there, you know they ain't messing with my chillins. <laughs> and this is like that deathly silence for like a minute where Stanley's just sitting there like shaking his head, so many of these threats, like you said, you know a lot of the same stuff that I don't know why am I so surprised I guess i just i am just I guess I'm impressed that they kept all these little plot threats together, you know, with Josh and Stanford, they bring him up again. You know Michael's kind of bravado that we're not gonna get closed down. There's no way we're gonna get closed down, and uh, and then Pam kind of like told, oh, I was in the meeting and uh, she said we could get closed down,
1: yeah, and then he yells at her. Yeah, and then and he just, yells, you um, know.
0: confidentiality of meetings. Pam I think that's great. That's one of those things in there. There's like this jump cut where um they show Michael kind of in the meeting saying, oh, I'm not gonna tell anyone. Like, you wouldn't want to tell a patient if he had cancer, right? And then the very next scene, they show, like, Phyllis and Stanley talking like, oh, what does it mean? What does downsizing mean? As we've seen through season two and three, Michael cannot cannot keep anything to himself. And so, again, planted right there in that first pilot episode. Well, that's going to lead us into the most painful, uh, hard-to-watch scene, then, of the episode Michael's trying to show Ryan the office, kind of trying to show what a great boss he is, what a funny, hilarious guy that he is. And uh, he decides to play a little practical joke.
2: Pam, could you come in here for a sec? As you know, there is going to be downsizing. And uh, you have made my life so much easier in that I am going to have to let you go first. What? Why? Theft. What am I supposed to have stolen? Post-it notes. Post it notes. Yeah. God. What are those worth? Like 50 cents? 50 cents. Yeah. You steal a thousand post it notes at 50 cents a piece. And, you know, you've made a profit margin. Um, I can't believe this. I mean, I've never even stolen as much as a paperclip. And now you're firing me. But the best thing about it is that, uh, we're not going to have to give you any severance pay because that is gross misconduct. And, uh, just clean out your desk. I'm sorry. Surprise! It's a joke! We were joking around! (laughs) See? God, you were. We totally got. You're a
1: jerk!
0: I don't know about that. Man, I love that at the end where he tries to put Ryan involved in it. He was my accomplice, and the camera pans over, and Ryan's just sitting there shaking his head.
1: Yeah, well, that's a good example of the more active camera in the American version, which it was really effective in that, especially in that scene, I think.
0: It's very different how that ended, and, and, and the difference in the camera work as well, because it, I don't know if you caught this in the um, in the British version after that happens. They kind of go to this weird, like, long shot from mm-hmm. the ceiling of the three chairs kind of sitting there, and I, I maybe, st- you know, <laughs> kind of reinforce that isolation, that sense of stupidity or whatever the case was but yeah it's much much different version i think here and it's also a lot as much as we talked about it, it's kind of like evil and mean that was i still think it was a little not quite as harsh uh, of a response you know because of that pam character being maybe a little more of a wallflower that she doesn't really explode on him too much not at least compared to uh to how dawn reacts I think it's kind of funny, though, that you can do like, that whole thing that uh, that Michael's just, you know, he's trying to stifle a laugh. Like, he thinks this exactly. is the funniest joke.
1: And I think you can see that. Yeah, I think that is helpful.
0: And uh, and she tries to, you know, I don't know that she doesn't pick up on it or not, but he's, just, he's very much almost breaking half the time. Um, and, and there's another, like, kind of unintentional little humorous bit in there, because uh, whether you know it or not... Um, before he came on The Office, you know, B.J. Novak used to work on Punked, And so he, on the DVD commentary, he talks about how he conferenced with Steve Carell and kind of told him what that's like <laughs> because he had a few of those, you know, where you like you think you're doing this hilarious prank and then someone's sitting there crying their eyes out uh, and, and really how shitty that makes you feel. But, yeah, I, I just love that when he pans over. <laughs> He's just sitting there shaking his head. Like, don't get me involved in this. I have nothing to do with this whatsoever. Um, let's take a listen, then, to, uh, to the, the British version. How does Dawn react to being accused of stealing post-its?
2: Good girl. That's a joke isn't Well done settling in. Practical jokes for the good. Thanks for these. Check them out. Well, I do these now, actually. You wanker.
1: Come on.
0: You're such a sad little man.
1: Oh, my. I knew that.
0: I think it's a big difference, really, kind of in tone. Sad little man. Pretty that cutting. is a pretty big
1: cut down, yeah.
0: Um, they mentioned, uh, Jenna, again, in the commentary track, Gen- Jenna Fisher mentions that that was actually in the American script, that, that line, and that they took it out. They thought it was a little too harsh.
1: Well, I think also, Steve Frell, you can tell he's a, he's a little regretful about that. Maybe she's taking it a little harder than he thought. And so I think that does sort of humanize the fact that he realized he made a mistake.
0: The way that it plays out, I really think that uh, David Brent, I think, knows that he made a mistake. It's it's much more somber. Like, it's just deathly quiet after this happens. He's just, like, very, very calm and very kind of, like, he's just so desperately trying to play it off. Like, Michael Scott's a lot more kind of, like, trying to laugh it off. And maybe, again, a little difference in his character that he's, uh maybe he doesn't understand why somebody would be upset little difference, like you said, just a little bit of a difference there. Well, we'll wrap up the Michael plot line here with uh, pretty much his last quote. And this, again, this is very similar to a line in the British version. But Michael talks about what's more important in the office.
2: What is the most important thing for a company? Is it the cash flow? Is it the inventory? Nuh-uh. It's the people. My proudest moment here was not when I increased profits by 17% or... When I cut expenses without losing a single employee, no, 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 no. It was a young Guatemalan guy. First job in the country, barely spoke English. Came to me and said, Mr. Scott, would you be the godfather of my child?
0: Wow, wow.
2: Didn't work out in the end. We had to let him go. He sucked.
0: (laughs) Man, on so many levels, this awesome uh, dialogue and... uh accent skills
1: yeah he did a great job in that scene
0: <laughs> just excellent and he looks like he's going to cry he almost has these little moist eyes and that's the same exact punchline as the british version though you know it didn't work out he sucked uh yeah i think he says in the, in the british version he says he's rubbish but uh but still <laughs> same thing there um and and that's something too that it, even though they kind of joke about that 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 has been part of michael's character in season three the whole you know people come first
1: yeah he wants to be people's people's friend instead of the boss and all that yeah
0: right but even like for example like in business school you know he had that big speech to ryan about how business was about people that that is kind of his one of his underlying i think true beliefs Uh, what do you think would i mean would the show the american show have lasted as long as it did if he kind of kept that, if he's more of a bastard than a fool?
1: Oh, I don't think so. I mean, especially after uh, Steve Carell became sort of known as a sympathetic actor after the 40-year-old version. If he'd kept it as negative and mean, it would not have survived, I don't think.
0: Yeah, I don't think that's something you can put up with for um, 22 episodes. So it makes sense.
1: There's only so many Archie Bunkers in in the TV landscape that you can put up with (laughs) a negative character like that.
0: Well, let's just take a look at some of the other characters then some of the other little origins, and we talked kind of about jim and and the difference uh, would you call it, Martin Freeman a troll? I think is that what you said <laughs> <Blood> uh, Jim <laughs> well let, let's take a listen to uh, to Jim's introduction speech here and then exactly the same speech from his British counterpart
3: my job is to speak to clients um, on the phone about
1: quantities and type of copier or paper, you know, uh, whether we can supply it to them, whether they can uh, pay for it, and um, I'm, I'm boring myself just talking about
0: this. Uh, I'm a sales rep, which means that my job is to speak to clients on the phone about uh, quantity and type of paper and whether we can supply it with them and whether they can pay
1: for it, and I'm boring myself. Talking about it, it's
0: just... man. I think he has a like a boogie in his nose or something. There, he needs a look, good good blowout. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean exactly the same dialogue. It's 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 funny that like you said before. They just even though it's the same line, it's kind of the same kind of boring sort of person. I think Krasinski just has a very different uh, physical presence, a different attitude. I think is kind of how he played the character. Um, He doesn't have that sort of beat down, tiredness. I guess he's got
1: a little twinkle in his eye, at least.
0: (laughs) So yeah, it makes it a little more palatable, I think. Perhaps I don't know. Not to take anything away. You know, I've enjoyed Martin Freeman in in a lot of other things. You know, he's a pretty good Arthur Dent in *The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy*, uh, and and some of his other sitcom work that I've seen him in. It's kind of hard to compare him again, because you have basically they have sort of pretty boy (laughs) uh, American actor going up against kind of the. uh, average joe let's uh, transform into as long as we're talking about jim let's talk about the whole you know the introduction here of kind of the whole jim and dwight rivalry and as we said before a lot of this stuff is actually the same very similar to the tim and gareth relationship very similar in you know exact same dialogue exact same scenes but I think that they, you know, Rain Wilson kind of t- takes it and, and twists it just a little bit to make it his own. And at the beginning of this clip, I'm just going to play it. This is a little bit of a montage, a couple scenes in a row. I just think this is, for some reason, I think this is an awesome, awesome introduction to, uh, to Dwight Schrute. for
2: you
3: no gifts for
1: you, Sure. Uh, Mr. Davis, let
3: me call you right back.
1: Yeah, something just came up. Two minutes. Thank you very much. Right. What are you doing? What? What are you doing? Just
3: clearing my desk.
2: I can't concentrate. It's, it's not on your desk. It's overlapping. It's all spilling over the edge. One word, two syllables. Demarcation.
3: You can't do that. Why not? Safety violation. I could fall and pierce an organ... We'll see. See, this is why the whole downsizing thing it just doesn't bother me. Downsizing? Downsizing? Yeah, I have no problem with that. I have been recommending downsizing since I first got here. I even brought it up in my interview. I say, bring it on.
0: We've seen that before, you know, Dwight in his, uh, his binder of uh, his presentation for his, you know, why he deserves a raise and why he should stay on, and all that stuff. So, but I don't know why I find that hilarious, that just <laughs> in the middle of March, he comes into the office, and he's just singing this like, jam-tastic version of the Little Drummer Boy <laughs> under his breath.
1: With the big drum effects, Yeah, too. exactly. That was pretty cool.
0: <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know. For some reason, I thought that was so bizarre, and, and hilarious, and just totally Dwight at the same time. And a lot of those scenes, and those next two scenes where they're arguing, are are just identical in the two different versions. Um, Yeah, but
1: that pencil scene was different, and I thought it was a lot more effective to (laughs) have the pencils there. It was funnier, I thought. You got a little bit more of Jim's, you know, uh, thing where he says, I might pierce myself, and he crosses his fingers, you know, we'll see. I mean, I think that, again, that plays a lot better, again, less negative than when they build the barrier of boxes, which I guess they filmed in the American version, but uh, they ultimately went with the pencils instead.
0: I wanted to bring this up too because I think that the relationship is it is subtly different between Jim and Dwight versus Tim and Gareth because I think in the in the pilot of the British version, I mean, there's almost like kind of a bizarre mania or something that Tim has. Like he he throws his stapler out the window and he just seems like very he almost seems like a guy that's on the edge. Like he's seriously gonna you know he talks about how he he wants to cut his throat, you know, a little sarcastically, obviously. Um, but just like a different, just kind of attitude, I think, different, uh, different sense of it. I think Krasinski plays it a lot more kind of playfully, exactly. um, whereas the British version is much more like, God, I've, I've had so much of this that I really will hurt you or something. (laughs) Uh, I think
1: you get a good sense with Dwight too in those scenes that that he's so cocky and I, I like that attitude out of him that he, he, he's got a plan he wants to execute, um, It's very different than the Gareth character, which seems, again, sort of timid, but in a different kind of way.
0: He's kind of like the guy that, you know, sort of cringes behind the bully and is brave as long as there's someone kind of that he's hiding behind, it seems like. exactly. Um, Dwight's much more of a, you know, he doesn't really give a crap. He's a weirdo, um, but he has his own, like you said, he has his own personality and he's very... He doesn't care. He thinks he's doing everything perfectly correctly. And and to be fair, uh, Jim's junk was overlapping. One more kind of little clip here. This is probably the most famous scene, I think, from the whole pilot episode. Um, Ryan is being shown around the office by Michael. They kind of stop over, and again, uh, he introduces him to Dwight. We get Dwight's name, and I don't know if he was supposed to be making fun of him or not, because it was hard to tell. Um, I think that, that Ricky Gervais played it where he was really mocking Gareth. But he comes over there and he's like, you know, hey, tell him about the Kung Fu and tell him about your car. And Dwight really, you know, he bites right away. He starts telling him about his sweet, uh, what is it, 280Z. That <laughs> he's customized and how he bought it for 1200 and $3,000. That's pure profit. <laughs> that's his profit. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I got a couple of pictures to show you. Let me go in my drawer here.
3: uh oh, damn it! Him. Okay. Uh,
0: hold on. Hold on. Judge is in session. What is the problem here?
2: You he put my stuff in jello again. This
0: is the third time and it wasn't funny the first all two right, times well, either, all right, Jim. What is that? It's my staple. No,
2: no, no, no. Do not take it out.
0: You have to eat it out
2: of there because there are starving people in the world and which I hate and it is a waste of that kind of Okay. Food. You know what? You can be a witness. Can you reprimand him, please? Are you going to discipline him or not? Ooh, discipline. Kinky. <laughs> <laughs> all right thing about a practical joke is that you have to know when to start as well as when to stop. And Jim, now is the time to stop putting Dwight's personal effects into jello.
1: Dwight, I'm sorry, because I've always been your biggest flan. <laughs> 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 oh,
2: nice! That's the way it is around here, it just kind of goes round and round you, uh,
3: you should have put him in custody.
2: Oh, hey! hey yes! New guy!
3: Cars. Okay, that's great. I guess uh, what I'm most concerned with is uh, damage to company property. That's all.
1: Pudding. Pudding.
2: I'm trying to think of another dessert to do.
0: Again, perfectly, perfect insight into Michael, the guy who thinks he's the funniest man in the office. He's uh, totally stymied
1: he's shooting blanks when it comes to the dessert show
0: exactly maybe that's why he signed up for the improv class i don't know but uh <laughs> yeah definitely shot down there and that's kind of funny i didn't play the clip but um there's a funny scene in the beginning of the episode where he just kind of walks out uh from his office and goes over to jim and dwight and just goes "Waza!" <laughs> and i don't know if you remember that you remember those commercials Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I know Jim. Jim seven has, years ago? Yeah, Jim has a line. Yeah, that was funny. I like that, uh, even though it's seven years old. Um, that's in the British version too, but I mean, it's just, you know, he comes out and he does it, and he makes that big noise, and, and then Jim and Dwight kind of play back, and then it doesn't really go anywhere, and so he just kind of stands there.
1: Yeah, but again, in the in the American version, Jim has a little line that's, you know, that was funny seven years ago. Again, a little taking a little bit of the wind out of Michael Sales. I, he doesn't even see it but we as a, as a viewers do that was not in the British version I think it is real important to show that there's you know kind of a difference and he's got a different kind of attitude towards the boss
0: that's true although I think maybe the British version was made a little closer to the source I don't know how many years earlier that show was made that might have been new and fresh when the British version was out so maybe I don't know but yeah definitely he puts in that little extra little extra dig and man I remember that uh, pretty well too I remember there's this Total off-topic thing. There was like this video that was going around. It was like the Super Friends dubbed into uh, doing the What's Up thing. I don't (laughs) know if you ever saw that before, but uh, it's probably on YouTube. I wonder if somebody put that up there. But uh, good times, good times. Uh, But again, you know, perfect example of Michael and his complete and utter failure. (laughs) as a a comedy source.
1: Well, I think you're right that that it really is one of the most famous scenes with the Jell-O. People know about Jim's pranks and the Jell-O is really right up there. And then I think the other thing that's different in the American version, real important is at the end that he puts Michael's cup, the world's greatest boss, in Jell-O as well. And I think that that's a different uh, scene than in the British version. I think that that's a real important scene too for kind of the same reasons that we're, you know, the boss is not above the law in terms of getting pranked.
0: Right, that's true. They, the British version ends off with uh, Brent giving that speech about the the Greek guy who wanted to be, you know, his god, make him his godfather. I think that's how the episode ends, and it's definitely a different tone there, where you know Jim's much more of a little rebel guy, I guess, to stand up to uh, to the big boss. But yeah, definitely. Uh, Different take, and as we said, we'll stand by our good old USV version. Thank you very much.
2: Uh, any messages? Yeah, just a fact.
0: Oh, this is from corporate.
2: How many know, times I have I told you that there's a special filing cabinet for things from corporate? about well, the waste paper basket. Did we get a fax? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the one. Why didn't wanna get it? You put it in the garbage cabinet with the a special filing cabinet.
0: Yeah. Ah, that was a joke. Man, that sounds kind of familiar. Um, all right, well, first news story. The votes are in, and the office has scored nine nominations this week for the 59th Annual Emmy Awards. The nominations include Best Comedy Series, uh, Steve Carell for Best Actor in a Comedy Series, Rain Wilson for Best Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series, Jenna Fisher for Best Supporting Actress in a Comedy Series, Ken Kwapis for Directing in a Comedy Series for Gay Witch Hunt, Greg Daniels for Best Writing in a Comedy Series for Gay Witch Hunt, Mike Sure for Best Writing in a Comedy Series for The Negotiation. Um, the show was also nominated for an Editing Award and a Sound Mixing Award. So what do you think about that there, Kevin?
1: I think this is great news. I mean, especially Jenna Fisher really deserves uh, the nomination. and She should win, too, because she was the glue that held everything together that season. Great acting. And, of course, all the jammers are really upset that John Krasinski didn't get nominated. But, you know, last time I checked, they didn't give Emmys for people walking around in a daze. <laughs> and so, you know, I think this is still good news that, you know, they've picked up two extra uh, acting nominations compared to last season, and that's really an important step for the sh- show and series.
0: Um, I, you know, we talked about this on the blog page, but definitely I agree. I mean, Rain Wilson, he deserves that uh, nomination. He did more uh, this season than any other actor, I think, aside from Steve Carell. Really, um, you know, every episode he had some bit of interesting, funny business. And, and I talked about this in earlier podcast episodes, that in season three, I mean, Dwight really became almost like a hero. You know, he's almost like a, the main character. In some ways, you know, he kind of redeemed himself and became really a kind of a good guy. We'll check in the email. There's like a little bit of a list of all these things that Dwight did, but I'm hoping for the best, although uh, up against some tough competition there. I'm a big Entourage fan, so I don't know if I want to see Johnny Drama get snubbed. Definitely some interesting nominations, I think, this year. So And, of course, Jenna Fisher. I mean, the whole arc of the season was based really around her character uh, and her character's growth, so definitely... She deserves it, and uh, all i got to say is that if, you know, if, if frickin' Monk wins again, I will lose all faith in humanity.
1: Well, what are the perks of being nominated? Wilson told The Hollywood Reporter that he's most excited about the title. Now, anytime anyone mentions my name, they're going to say, Emmy-nominated Rain Wilson, table for two. <laughs> when asked by Eon online what he thought of his competition, he replied, Um, yeah, I can take any of them in an Ultimate Combat Fight in a Cage match. I don't know. Kevin Dillon, though, he's pretty tough, but I'm wily, so I think they should all put us in a cage and let us fight it out. And for exclusive Amy Reaction interview with Jenna Fisher, please check out com.
0: So, yeah, there you go. Um, um, in other award news, the Office took home the second annual, well, its second annual uh, TCA Award for Outstanding Achievement in Comedy. Uh, this The TCA Award is held by the television. Critics Association, and uh, that was this week. They had a big kind of conference with the, the TCA. Uh, we had a little bit of kind of spoiler stuff, some little announcements that popped up out of there, so um, why don't you uh, take us through some of those? Okay,
1: so this was uh, the panel from John Krasinski and Greg Daniels, Dish the Little Dirt. Let's see, uh, because Scrubs doesn't return until late October, the first four episodes of The Office will be hour-long episodes. Uh, beginning of the season was able to fall out of the season finale
0: right and we talked about that then I guess we're figuring that the fifth hour long episode will just ultimately be the finale right that's if one that's would a, think yeah that's pretty rough man especially for me four hour long episodes in a row I'm going to be doing a lot of time at my editing board I gotta say so I'm not too happy about that but
1: <laughs> yeah it, it, get that spaced out no. NBC will be having a green week theme in November and the no. office will be participating in some way although how we're not sure
0: Yeah, Chris and he made some remark about how, you know, they're a paper company, so what are they going to do? I'm not too big of a fan of those kind of gimmick weeks. Um, I remember during uh, primetime, like, seven, eight years ago, they had, like, uh, the power outage theme or something, and, like, every sitcom had to have a power outage in New York. I don't know if you you remember that.
1: Yeah, that trick never worked.
0: (laughs) So I don't know what they're going to do. I don't really want to see, like, heroes you know, having a special recycling episode or something. But, <laughs> all right. Um, next.
1: Uh, Daniels also mentioned that he felt that the jam stuff works best when it's the B story, when it doesn't carry the weight of the entire show.
0: Yeah, and I think we felt that way as well. Um, last season, they way too much played up the, the whole, Jim and Pam finally kissed with that twinkly little music in the background. So hopefully they'll play up more of the comedy aspect. Well, especially
1: evening. when it's you when know, it's like a little minor point in the uh, story, and then that's the thing that gets hyped. Yeah, you know, right, exactly. kind of bummer. Well, uh, E Online released some minor spoilers. Uh, you can skip ahead in the podcast if you wish to remain in ignorance. Let's see. First spoiler: Rashida Jones will reprise her role as Kieran in at least one episode next season. Are right. you happy to see Rashida Jones return?
0: Um, you know what? I didn't mind her. Like I said before on the show here that. Without her being Jim's girlfriend, she really doesn't have much point, but I'm hoping that we get at least, you know, we'll find out what happened to her. <laughs> find out if she ever got home from New York or, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. whatever. So a little closure is nice.
1: Speaking of people that are cast aside, David Denman, a.k.a. Pam's on-again, off-again fiancé Roy, may, quote, turn up at any time, unquote.
3: Yeah,
0: I I'm don't am thinking
1: we're not going to see him, though.
0: Probably not. That might have just been a tease, but still, um... We talked about the other week how Mindy Kaling was in Boston area supposed to be writing this episode and waiting to the last minute and then, um one of the other things that they kind of mentioned in in that gossip column was that uh, she was writing an episode that had someone showing up so that might be referring to Karen maybe it could be referring to Roy who knows I mean Roy even even more so than Karen really has no place in the show uh, without being Pam's fiance I don't I honestly don't know how he could possibly get back in
1: Especially since he's fired, right? I yeah, mean, exactly. Let's see, how about another spoiler? Jan really is moving in with Michael, and she will be wearing stretch pants.
0: All right, man, that's I awful. can hardly wait. <laughs> um,
1: also, expect lots of tense moments between Michael and his new boss, Ryan. Kelly also won't be taking her dumping lying down. Hell hath no fury like a Kapoor scorned.
0: All right, well, we yeah, a couple of things then. Not really super spoilery, I guess, but still... Uh, just to be on the safe side, I think that they they mentioned that in the first episode or so they're going to be dealing very specifically with the fallout from the season finale. The Michael Jan thing is definitely going to either be really funny or it could be really kind of scary. I'm not sure which way that it's going to play out. But um, all right. In uh, other news, more than 300 set of props were collected by the office's prop master Philip Shea at the Steamtown Mall on July 17th and 18th from local Scranton area businesses. Um, The office had attempted to use local business names and logos whenever possible in the show, uh, and so they had this prop drive in Scranton basically just asking people, you know, if they have a business to come give them free stuff, Um, logos, bumper stickers, hats, T-shirts, whatever the case may be. and so all these set props that they've collected hopefully will ensure that our favorite show is Grantonier than ever in season four.
1: I think those are the little touches that make this show really special. That they actually try to make that material actually feel like Scranton, even right. though it's filmed in California.
0: And they're really embracing that too. I mean, aside from the fact that we talked about the, uh, that they're you know organizing the fan convention there. I mean, I think Scranton as a city is really. Embracing this as their only claim to fame, really.
1: Uh, I'll sign up for the Scranton office reality tour any day. <laughs> All right, let's. We talked in the last podcast about Evan Almighty, and uh, here's another sad nail in its coffin: the Japanese release of the film has been canceled, according to Variety. No official reason was given, although speculation runs rampant. Very few American comedies do well in the country. Steve Carell is completely unknown to Japanese audiences, and the fact that Japan isn't a Christian country have all been thrown out as possible reasons.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Apparently, like I said, a lot of people are saying it's not really that big of a deal, and that comedies in general are really kind of hard to sell to overseas audiences. So, I don't know. Make of it what you will. I don't want to take, you know, schadenfreude in the downfall of this film, but uh, I don't know. Let's hope the uh, next project is... A little bit better received. Actually, they just posted up um, the first kind of sneak preview trailer of Get Smart. Uh, Did you catch that?
1: That uh, trailer looks great. It's definitely the right kind of trailer to get people excited for that movie. And a lot of physical comedy from Steve Carell. He really looks like he's doing a good job in that movie, so I'm excited.
0: Right, and I am too. I I, I read an interview with him in, uh, I think it was Sci Fi Wire or something, the last couple days, where he was talking about his approach to how he was going to play the character, that he was, you know, he's not going to do a Don Adams. Uh, impersonation that uh, in in the film his Maxwell Smart sounds a lot like uh, his character from Forty Year Old Version actually he's no, it's exactly uh, like that he's yeah. like a nerd a computer nerd who wants to be in the field and finally gets his chance and so he's kind of bumbling but he's still you know competent I guess in some level so a little bit of a different take on the character so uh here's hoping that that uh, really pans out and I'm still waiting for Dan in real life as well so. Anyway, he's got a home here with us back in the office. NBC announced this past week that the official one-hour season premiere of The Office will be Thursday, September 27th at 9 p.m., 8 p.m. Central. Uh, My name is Earl. We'll kick off the night with another hour-long episode at 8 p.m., 7 p.m. Central. So there you go. Mark your calendars now, folks. The 27th of September.
1: Okay, next story. According to Variety, new head of programming and office producer Ben Silverman is also looking to start up another season of The Apprentice, this time featuring celebrity contestants. Casting has begun, and Silverman hopes that some of the office cast will bite. So, uh, Matt, do you think that Celebrity Apprentice is a good idea?
0: Uh, i got to admit, I was one of those people that watched it the first season, and then every season after that, it's, it's like any other reality show. I think it just gets lamer and lamer. I don't know. I mean, it would be kind of funny, to, I guess, to have, you know, you play a business office in the show, but can you really run a business kind of thing? I don't know. It might be sort of interesting. You're obviously going to get a lot more people out of curiosity maybe watching it.
1: I don't know. This this has trade record written all over it as far as I'm concerned. It's going to depend a lot <laughs> on who they cast. But, if, you know, if it's Meredith from The Office, that is not the recipe for big ratings. You know what I right. mean? Right.
0: <laughs> This was really, I was really excited about this, but I'm, I'm kind of let down. Uh, Jenna Fisher had promised a special blog post sometime soon that will apparently give something back to her fans for all their support. What could it be? No idea, but keep checking her MySpace blog to find out. Well, right before we recorded, I went and checked her blog to see if there would anything been posted. And unfortunately, <laughs> she posted a contest, and the contest is already closed. Um, what it was is that she had five prizes, five pieces of swag that she'd gotten in various gift baskets or whatever uh, in Hollywood that she was giving away to people who could answer five trivia questions. And she posted the blog entry at, like, 12 o'clock, and I think all the prizes were gone by, like, 12.07 or something. So, uh, <laughs> sorry, folks, we're a little little late. Um, don't feel too bad, though, this wasn't, like, any office, like, previously she'd given away office props um this was stuff like a bottle of perfume um a, some kind of like gucci leather day planner stuff like that uh she did give away a season two dvd sets signed by the entire cast uh but you know unfortunately i guess we can just cry about our lateness
1: yeah, it's cool that she did that interview with Office Tally and keeping the fan uh, base alive there. But, uh, yeah, this isn't, you know, any great shakes to miss this contest, I guess.
0: Yeah, speaking of which, Jenna, come on, we we want you on our show, so give us a call. All right, and then lastly, um, since I'm the one hawking this crap, I guess I'll take the last one. Uh, I've set up a That's What She Said store at uh, CafePress.com uh, where you can order your very own That's What She Said t-shirt or mug, go to www.cafepress.com slash podcast. Bunch of different shirt designs, uh, different things, men's, women's, whatever, different styles. Prices are a little steep, but I'm not making any profit at all on any of these sales. So if you like the show, if you want to have the logo on your chest, stop on by. I think we've gotten one sale so far from our diehard listener, uh, Melanie, so... Thank you, Melanie. I appreciate that. And send that picture.
2: There are certain things a boss does not share with his employees. His salary, his bed. And I am not going to tell them that I'll be reading their emails. i got to erase a lot of stuff. Just so you know, if you have any
0: sensitive emails, they need to be deleted immediately. I know. A lot. All right, let's uh, dip into the email bag here. Now, the first one, i I got to explain a little bit about this. Um, before Ian and I recorded our final podcast for the job, I sent out notices to some of the people I knew, some other podcasters, and asked them to uh, send in an audio clip of what they thought might happen uh, in Season 4, You know, what was their reaction to the finale, uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> no one responded except for... Uh, friend of the show, Mike, from the Let's Speak Italian podcast. Now, uh, because no one else really plied, because it was going on like an hour or almost two-hour episode... I didn't have a chance to run it, um, but I promised Mike that I would run it, and he does have some interesting speculation uh, about Season 4, I think the same that a lot of us do. So let's take a listen to Mike and uh, check out his podcast as well if you're so interested.
3: Hey, Matt and Ian, it's Mike from the Let's Speak Italian podcast at www.letspeakitalian.net. Well, I wanted to take a minute or two and talk about the season finale and what I expect to see in Season 4. Uh, let me first start off with my favorite part of the episode, and that was Jan's twins. Now, Jan's new rack was amazing. It must be some sort of special effects witchcraft or something that I cannot even begin to understand, but they were spectacular. Uh, Michael and Jan, back together. Hmm, Pam's advice was good, but Jan's was bigger. Brrr. Now, I do expect next season for Jan to totally have a major breakdown and for Michael to be the voice of reason in that relationship. I predict that Jan will visit the office from time to time and inevitably embarrass herself and Michael in the process. I also really enjoyed Dwight's 15 minutes of superiority as the branch manager. I loved his uh, shroot bucks and his description of his hotel from hell. That was hilarious. And as a science geek, I actually would have enjoyed listening to Dwight's lecture series on paper and paper products. I also had sort of a, a sad respect for Dwight at the end of the episode as he commends Pam for serving the office with great dignity, and they salute each other <laughs> for for being such a tool most of the time. Sometimes I generally think that Dwight has a heart, if only he could get beyond being socially retarded long enough to show it off. Uh, I'm sure like everyone, it was nice to see Jim come back to the office and ask Pam out to dinner. It's curious to know what happened to Karen, and why did Jim leave her in New York, uh, Jim and Karen both appeared to be having a great day in New York prior to the interview, so it's hard to believe that a yogurt lid would end their relationship so quickly and immediately. Uh, so there there has to be more to the story than Jim just taking off and running back to Pam. Uh, I'm not getting my hopes up so quickly that Jim and Karen are really over. I mean, I know that Rashida Jones has another gig at Fox, but if Jim just abandoned her and left for Scranton, then I think he's going to look like an ass next season. So Karen at least deserved a proper breakup with the obligatory it's not you, it's me explanations. I predict the first couple episodes next season will be Jim sort of waffling back and forth between the two of them and then eventually choosing Pam as Karen decides to go work somewhere else and pursue other relationships. uh, B.J. Novak has blogged that he will, in fact, be Michael's boss in the new season, so... Unless B.J. Novak is an outright liar, Ryan did get the big job at corporate. And then my final observation is when David Wallace talks about his loathing for the very irritating HR guy, Kendall. Ugh. And just the way he says, Kendall, ugh, is the exact same tone that Michael uses when he says, Toby. Ugh. I, <laughs> I'm i an actual HR director at my work, And. I've always thought that Michael was the only one who hated his HR rep, but apparently it is common at Dunder Mifflin for management to despise human resources. Uh, No love for the HR guys. So, it will be interesting to see in Season 4 how it picks up, uh, if it picks up right after Season 3 ends or if it will be four months later and everything will be a big flashback like what happened at the beginning of season three where the wedding and Jim's transfer and everything had happened and we had just heard about it all through the narration of talking heads and flashback clips. I'm I'm still not thinking that Jim and Pam are going to get together so quickly. I think they have some stuff to work through first but after that maybe there's hope for our little couple. Let's just keep our fingers crossed. So that's it, guys. Thanks for the opportunity to chime in. This is Mike from Let's Speak Italian Podcast. If you'd like to learn to speak Italian, look me up in iTunes in the education section or at www.letspeakitalian.net. Arrivederci.
0: All right. Thanks for that, Mike. Uh, lots of stuff, like you said, a lot of the same kind of things that we're all, I think, thinking about and a lot of questions that uh, we hope will be answered on uh, in Season 4. Uh, Kevin, I'll, I'll let you read this next email here, make you feel good.
1: EU on the blog page said, Hey, guys, I've been a listener for quite a while now, and this is my first post. I just wanted to drop a line to say I really enjoy listening to your podcast, and I'm so glad you are going to continue with it. I miss hearing Ian, but I thought Kevin was great, and look forward to seeing what others can bring to the podcast as well.
0: All right, so hey, that's great go. news. <laughs> One Kevin fan, at least. Uh, this was posted by Lynn on the blog page. She said, Wow. Where is the outcry over the obvious snub for outstanding prosthetic makeup for series, miniseries, movie, or special? Yes, a real category. Is there no respect out there for the flawless execution of Jan's chesticle enhancement in the job? Seriously, though, impressive showing by The Office this year. Tough competition in most categories, but I'll tune in with fingers crossed. Please, please be careful on the steps of the podium. Jenna, good advice. Uh, I'm bummed about the lost snub, but I figured the drama categories are going to be a big Sopranos farewell party anyhow. It's nice to see Battlestar Galactica finally getting some props, though. So, all right, there you go. Thank you, Lynn. Um, and then the last one, I thought this was pretty funny.
1: Also, Virage on the blog page said, had this to say about Rain Wilson's nomination. I'm kind of glad that Rain, Dwight, got it instead of John, Jim. Because let's face it, Jim was over in Stanford just messing around with Karen while Dwight was in Scranton. Kissing a gay man, going behind Michael's back to get his job, throwing eggs at a client, wearing a full blown Indian garb at the Diwali party, going to the CFO's house to save the branch, getting fired, getting rehired, eating Michael's man meat, <laughs> creating an anti flashing task force, saving Jim's life with pepper spray, etc., etc., etc.
0: Yeah, if you come to the blog page, she actually listed 21 <laughs> reasons uh, for why uh, Dwight much more and and that is true I I thought that was a great post Um, you know Rain Wilson Dwight really was so very central to so many episodes this season so nomination well deserved alright well that's going to about do it for us this week Uh, join us in well again about two or three weeks for the next season one retro episode Diversity Day Uh, please send any comments or constructive compliments to pwsspodcast at gmail.com and please visit the show blog page at that's what she com. it's l i b s y n and also if you uh, want to try out for the show or being a co-host that is also where you should send your audition uh, audio clip there, twss podcast at gmail.com. Please, if you've enjoyed the show, leave positive feedback on iTunes and spread the word of the show in the various The Office-related forums. Um, You know, there's a lot of Office forums out there, and uh, they might not know that we exist, so let them know if you think this is a good show. Um, Every little bit helps. Uh, You can check out Kevin's blog over at fratpackpodcast.com and subscribe to his podcast either through his blog page or through iTunes. Uh, music for this episode provided by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network. Check it out at music.podshow.com. And remember, head on over to NBC.com slash The Office during the week for deleted scenes, interviews, episode recaps, uh, creeds, thoughts. Uh, Dwight might post some blogs. Who knows? But uh, that's your first story. Actually, I think they have a new game, some kind of a new game that they announced uh, this last week. So go and Check it out. Alright, folks, it's going to do it for us. Uh, I'm Matt, and this is Kevin, and uh, I don't know, keep watching the skies.
2: Hey, what's up,
3: what's, up?
2: What's, up? what's up? What's up? What's up?
1: What's up? Yo, where's Duke? Yo
2: Duke. What's up? What's
0: up? What's up? What's up? Yo, Dookie! Duke. Yo. What's up? What's up? What's up?
2: What's up, B? Watching the game, having a bud. True. True. I
1: still love that after seven years.